everybody. Uh, welcome to the second episode of Actually at Capacity, a show about interesting things with interesting people. Today I have Sam on and we met, and Sam co-hosts the Twink Revolution podcast, which many of you may already know about. It's also a magazine. Uh, and the way that Sam and I met was actually through libertarian circles. And so we're here today to talk about our libertarian pasts, discuss our sort of uh, ideological journeys. Um, so how's it going, Sam? Good, good. <laughs> um... <laughs> Yeah, not much has been going on. We're back in lockdown again. So there's no outdoor dining. There's no bars. There's nothing going on in San Francisco. Oh, my God. Yeah. I, it's... I, I, I've, I don't want to sound like one of those bitter weirdos sending our health advisor because uh, there's like a the provincial health advisor here is getting death threats. And so like, I feel <laughs> kind of bad criticizing her because I'm like, I, I don't want to be part of that group of people. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not threatening you with death. But our, our, our thing is really weird because we're not supposed to see people, um, but all the businesses are still allowed to be open. So I'm kind of like, okay, so you're just exacerbating people's mental illness while, like, <laughs> while letting businesses uh, still take a profit, right? And so that's kind of what's been bothering me about our lockdowns, but I'm that's sure how it she's is here too. Best. Yeah, and it's, it's just kind of like transparent, you know? Yeah. Even, you know, over here, like we have like a more left wing government than like most of Canada, and it's still kind of um, very, <laughs> still very, uh, I think the pandemic policies are really on the side of like big business, but that's another rant for another day but yes <laughs> we the two of us once uh were cheerleaders for big business as well so <laughs> so yeah so both of us uh partook in some libertarian circles I don't know about you I went to one big conference that was in Washington DC um it was very fascinating Ron Paul spoke at it uh <laughs> And my most vivid memory was him going, uh, I think that if you want to drink raw milk and smoke raw marijuana, you ought to be able to. And everyone <laughs> was so hyped by that. Uh, like the crowd went wild. Yeah. <laughs> and it's like, well, I mean, he's not wrong, but this is strange. <laughs> so how did, how did you get into that sort of world? Um. So in high school I got into like interested in politics through like the environment and like animal rights stuff mm -hmm. and got into the green party and kind of shifted away from that because I didn't really see it going anywhere and went to in college I was like oh well I'm shitty at science which I was trying to do as a major and I was like well I'll do poli-sci like I like politics and I was like let's join all the student groups and the only one that was there was like the libertarian chapter that just started i was like well they're anti-war i don't agree with economics and like in like a few months i was just like converted <laughs> <laughs> they're very good at um marketing and i think similarly i there was a lot of causes that were very close to my heart i actually was never really a leftist growing up because i grew mm -hmm. up with uh, conservatives. And so I honestly, like, the only view I had was anti-war views, I think partially because my dad spoke about war, but and I was just kind of like, okay, yeah, this sounds terrible. So I'm not going to support it. <laughs> um, and, and so I think, yeah, similarly, uh, there's a lot of people who are like, who get into it from anti-war stuff. But for me, I was a conservative at first but there were two things that I really didn't agree with the conservatives about and one was the war like because yeah the, that, that, <laughs> you know this was like in the neocon era uh and the other thing was uh drugs and so I was like mm. like to me making weed uh illegal like literally never made sense to me um not even from an ethical perspective I was just like I had a very libertarian <laughs> view like who are you to tell the people what to put in their body 
Um, and then I, someone said, have you heard of Ron Paul? And I was thinking like, no, that's the style. <laughs> uh, and I, I remember watching interviews with him and being like, wow, like this guy is like legit against war in the Middle East. And he also wants to like end drug prohibition. That sounds so cool. Um, but he still has these like conservative economic views so I can still kind of be on the side of my parents <laughs> right <laughs> or like be on the side of like my community because you know like my community was relatively conservative so you know you still have that kind of belonging but then you have the edgy like yeah well all drugs should be legal and I remember <laughs> like enjo like enjoying the shock I would get from people oh being same. like yeah like we should legalize crystal meth. And, <laughs> and, uh, and then people would be like, what, you want people to do meth? And I would love to just go on a libertarian rant. Like, no, what I actually mean is that the government doesn't have a right to tell you <laughs> what to put in your body. Right. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's funny because I think I used to watch TYT, like the Young Turks a lot in high school. And I think they pushed me towards the libertarian track on like the drug issue like they like oh let's decriminalize all the drugs and legalize prostitution i would say i've changed my views on both of those again like <laughs> um but i'm like oh now i was like now that you see these people being pioneers like the progressive left like no oh, you actually have a lot of libertarian views like it's the it's a tyt to libertarian pipeline like <laughs> 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 uh yeah i think tuit like they're just a big they have a big sort of liberal tent and they have yeah. just all kinds of, of liberalism with uh, a hint of armenian genocide did not with a hint of yeah <laughs> <laughs> not to say anything to get me into trouble but yeah <laughs> it's a it's a bit of an unbelievable name um so so yeah i i so you kind of started off in these student groups and um how how did you because now you're not a libertarian yeah um, <laughs> so how did that transformation go um so I left college and got a job like most the people in libertarian career who like kind of go up the ladder and got a think tank job and realized oh shit this is very different than like students for liberty or something where it's very like socially progressive on issues like here was more like a Ron Paul-esque, like, conservatarian kind of think tank. And over time, I was like, oh, shit, like, this isn't actually what I thought it was. And I met my co-host, Gian, who was, a like, kind of, like, quiet Marxist. He wouldn't really talk about it with people. We would just argue about it because my job sucked ass. <laughs> and, like, politics is always fun. And over time, I was like, well... You, I can't argue against the points you were making anymore. So I kind of just shifted away. And also having a, sh a shitty job, I think really radicalizes a lot that of people. That does it for so many people. For me, <laughs> working in a restaurant really did it for me. Right. Um, but it's funny because I think I, I had a lot of similar values. Um, like, I don't think that as I've changed, I think I've changed my views a lot, but I don't really think I've changed my values. I think that... Mm -hmm. When I've changed my views, it's because I I thought, okay, this will actually better realize, uh, it'll do a better job at realizing the values that I have. Um, so for instance, like I really valued freedom as a libertarian. Um, yeah. And uh, I became more left-wing economically when I was working at a restaurant and thinking like, damn, like this is a dictatorship. Like it... <laughs> Like it really operate, and so I thought, well, what's the difference between having private domination and public uh, and government controlling stuff, right? Like for me, I guess what I started to realize is, well, this is actually worse because I don't have any sort of democratic say if I'm working at a at a, at right. a restaurant. Like the my boss is actually not accountable to me at all. So then, like that sort of uh got my my switch I remember like going out back to I was working a really busy day it was a Italian day on the drive uh, <laughs> and uh and, and it was just all day I had like a 12-hour shift and like no breaks it was just horrifying and I remember like I was, wanted to cry and I was thinking like I don't think I'm a libertarian anymore <laughs> Yeah, I had a job as a janitor when I was in 
college for like the last two years and that was when i kind of got into like the like um like anarchist like individualist anarchist i read like markets not capitalism mm-hmm. i think that was like the like stepping stone where i started noticing the contradictions within libertarian ideology like oh we believe in non-violence but capitalism is based in like violence it's based on enclosure and i was like oh i've never heard any of this and it kind of just led to more and more realize like oh fuck like none of this is actually free like if like we're all just like giant wage slaves in a horrible economic system yeah and also like the Koch brothers like (laughs) bad <laughs> they have a lot of money though it's it's pretty wild like even i mean i went to a canadian university and there was funding from them and various student groups and like they have a really big reach and mm-hmm. I, I think it's interesting because some of the reach that they have like doesn't really ideologically influence people so i kind of wondered why um, yeah why they even bothered in some of the cases like they're not really going to influence canada um, <laughs> <laughs> so it's just kind of like hmm like this is kind of interesting um right. but yeah that's definitely a, a big part of of the libertarian world and i think you know even still um there's some really genuine and honest people within that world who totally. uh are like also in the front lines fighting against war so no ill will um but i definitely think that yeah there's a lot of so i had i had the restaurant job and before that i uh took a democratic theory class and a philosophy of law (laughs) class and so philosophy of law I, i read Catherine mckinnon and mckinnon's not a marxist but she kind of borrows a marxist framework and I remember kind of thinking, hmm, okay, like, because she talks a lot about, like, private domination. And so that kind of opened my mind to the fact that, like, domination is not only from the government. Yeah. And then I took democratic theory and I read Milton Friedman. And I was like, this actually is not good. Like, I don't <laughs> <laughs> So I, I joked because I was like, um, I, I was talking to one of my old professors who taught that class. And I said, um you know, Milton Friedman made me like kind of more push me to the left. He said, Oh, I should have signed more Milton Friedman then. <laughs> and it made me think of like all the layers of the college discourse, right? Because some of it is, um, oh, these left wing professors are want to indoctrinate you with like left wing ideology, but then like this guy's assigning me a capitalist libertarian and but that's making me more left-wing and so then it's like wait what What are they supposed to do yeah Uh, and i forget that argument because i'm like like in college there was no like marxists or or, like marx understanding at all and like no one even talked about marx and anything i did a like political theory class it was like all different things but they completely skipped over like marxism and communism but they had an anarchist section and i'm like oh why was this not in- included it's had a big impact in american like politics but like they're gonna exclude one of the most important ideologies like yeah that's i i think i got really lucky from what i hear about universities because i mean i took political theory and the department was really diverse like there mm-hmm. were there's like a marxist uh there was libertarians, there was liberals, like it. And so, I mean, I had Hayek assigned by my Marxist prof. I had uh, analytic Marxist assigned by my libertarian prof. Like no one was really overtly um, ideological or at least they were mindful or trying not to be. Uh, The one exception is I had an econ prof in first year and he, and at this point I was still a libertarian. And uh, he was, all the classes would be him talking about how Obama's like ruining his country. He was American. And I remember talking to him about, um, there was like a a primary going on among the Republicans in the US. I remember being like, oh, like I hope Ron Paul wins. 
and he starts <laughs> going off being like what like that's ridiculous like i'm pro chris christie all the way <laughs> so <laughs> the only time i've heard a prof endorse a political candidate in class was chris christie <laughs> 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 oh my I thought God. it was absurd um and yeah I mean just I don't know I guess that's how econ can be sometimes yeah <laughs> uh, but yeah and so I mean I, I think for me it was very gradual like I went um from libertarian to anarchist and then um I kind of settled on like more socialist uh economic perspectives um but yeah, I don't know. So you were saying you were working this job and then you just couldn't argue against the points anymore. Yeah, and so I, I stayed in it for like another year, but I was going to all these like libertarian and conservative conferences because like I was the events person. So like mm -hmm. I had to talk to people every single day, like, or like when I went to conferences and promote all this crap, which is like things I didn't even believe probably when I was a libertarian. And it's like, oh, it like, like this is horrible. <laughs> and then I went to um, CPAC, for, which was my last event I was sent to. Um, and I was just like, I walked in and it was like, hell on earth. There's like a Japanese like Republican booth. and like, why we should attack China and like oh attack Iran. God. And like, there was like all the, like, there was dead animals everywhere, which like I'm vegan. So I was like, and there's groups of like saying like, why we should only allow like straight marriage and stuff and I was like <laughs> holy fuck like where am I and <laughs> I was already kind of over like I was looking for a job already and mm -hmm. I was sitting waiting for the conference hall to open and I just hear like these people like talking about like trans people and it's like and not in a nice way is and I was just like I can't say anything so I'm working like this is I was just like I was so angry and I was like I'm just fucking gonna quit and I came in and I quit yeah damn. that that would kill me yeah. I, I remember <laughs> when I went to this conference in Washington um that was the first time that I, I came across Turning Point USA and this was before <laughs> they became big on the internet like no one knew who they were and when they introduced themselves to me like I didn't really know who they were either mm -hmm. and uh and and so this woman I was like in line to go to the Ron Paul talk and this woman um is like talking to me about turning point usa and she's like oh you should start one a chapter on your campus i'm like i'm canadian she's like yeah there can be a turning point canada um and at the time they seemed less conservative and more libertarian on this mm -hmm. like we were talking about like the occupation of palestine and you know they were actually kind of you know a bit sympathetic and kind of anti-war so I was like okay I'll talk to you um and then I followed I, I became friends with this person on Facebook and then I saw them gradually go from um libertarian to conservative uh it yeah. was actually really quite fascinating to see um and I, and I think I saw that a lot with a lot of uh libertarian orgs where like a lot of them kind of slipped into that um and I don't know if part of it's just from a desire to like own the libs. I think it actually <laughs> does yeah. play a big part in it. But then I forgot that I had this person on social media. And so this is like years later. I think this was maybe like last year and I met her in 2014, 2015. And I, I posted like a funny George Carlin, like I shared a George Carlin clip on my story. Um, and he makes some joke about pro-life, pro-choice, whatever. And she just starts blasting me, being like, you want to murder all the babies. And I'm thinking, like, wait, who is this person again? <laughs> she's like, unfollow. <laughs> and then I look and I'm like, oh, it's a Turning Point USA person. Like, wow, like they've come to such fame now. I forgot that I actually met them before they, I knew them before they were cool. Yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so that was really I guess fascinating but I think yeah a part of it part of what made it off-putting to me as well is I think I saw how it just kept having this tendency to just become like conservatarian and just get con subsumed in um 
you know, stuff right. that wasn't really in, involved with freedom. But I think it kind of also proved this point to me that um, liberal people like that might be liberal will always kind of side with the right over the, the left um, mm -hmm. because their economic interests still kind of lie with the right. Um, and so I think that was also kind of something that I learned from that experience. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Turning point was interesting because they were on the scene my like last year in the movement. And I, I was at like, I'm not gonna mention orgs because I don't want to like call them out, but um, they were like already like banning the organization, like turning point from them because they would like take document, like the sign up sheets and like, they used like fake pictures for their website at the time. They were just like kind of hold signs who weren't members to make oh, it I seem know. like a fan. Like it's clearly like, I mean, a much bigger thing now, but I think it's just like a money drive for like wealthy people to build these media careers for like Charlie Kirk and like I think Candace Owens left like her as well. My, my work right. actually really loved them. They really liked TPUSA, wanted to send me to conferences and I'm like, I really don't want to go. Like, I'll quit if you come to me. Like, <laughs> like I, I couldn't do it alone. Like, it was in Florida. For one, it was during Florida, during Halloween. And I'm like, I'm not missing Halloween. That's like gay Christmas. Like, <laughs> <laughs> Is that you wear like Mean Girls uh, style Halloween costumes? And I guess yeah. Mean Girls is such a topic right now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah be careful to get you banned from twitter <laughs> yeah yeah um no. yeah sam has just been uh censored by big big tech big silicon yeah. valley for making a mean girls joke so yeah perma banned i'm back on there though um yeah different account so <laughs> <laughs> um we are going to take action against twitter for homophobia um, yeah for censoring a mean girls tweet um, it was anarchist it was my former comrade <laughs> <laughs> so much for the tolerant anarchists right um, <laughs> so i think you know one thing that i've noticed as well is the left today is by and large anarchist um mm -hmm. speaking of, of them and I, I i've noticed that i i think this is something that's very particular to the left in the us and that influences the left in canada as well um because i i, I haven't seen like this same kind of anarchist strains of leftism and like other leftist movements in say latin america or middle east um and it's really interesting because you you had mentioned before that you kind of see this sort of libertarian influence on the left, even though there's an ostensible rejection of libertarianism. Do you want right. to discuss that a bit? Yeah, there's a lot of things I think people don't realize because like, like for us, like we were in the movement, like we know what libertarians think. And I think a lot of the left doesn't understand libertarians and just want to paint them as like evil people who like love money and hate the poor and like I don't think I've met anyone who actually believes those things because mm -hmm. everyone thinks they're doing the best for everyone except for like maybe uh, the ones who are like the one percent um, right. but there's things like the legalization of like the massive sex industry or like like heroin trade which like I don't think either of those are really good or even like ethical and running economic system um you have things like mutual aid being touted by like aoc when like you're supposed to be fighting for like like social service expansion not telling people to take care of each other in your communities like that's the state's job to take care of us like that's our that should be the broader thing to take care of everyone um like the police and prison abolition stuff i just find really silly to be honest like i think if you want to have socialism, which a lot of anarchists claim they want, you can't just abolish the only areas of power to prevent like reactionaries and the right from pre-seizing the state. I mean, um, yeah, that's a big one for me. And and I, I've been taking a property law this term, and I've really been thinking about that because um, we were talking about how increased privatization makes it so that there is um, 
less public space. Mm -hmm. And uh, there's a concern about, say, like homelessness and, um, you know, street nuisances as a result. And so one of the readings that we had was saying, well, so then shouldn't, like, don't the wealthy have an incentive um, to want to decrease homelessness because it's a street nuisance and whatever. And I made the point, and I realized this is also analogous to, to police abolition is, well, no, because if you're wealthy enough to have like a gated community, then it's not going to matter to you whether public streets are actually, uh, you know, uh, free of nuisance, because you're not going to be the one that really needs those public spaces. It's going to be like the average person that uses these public spaces. And so I like my point is, I think they would rather not do anything to economically uplift people because they don't need to. And then they also have a larger pool of unemployed people. Um, and I think similarly with policing, it's mm -hmm. like if you get rid of policing, right away you're just going to end up with people who can afford it hiring like amazon security or the police whatever you want to call it right which i think is a very libertarian pipe dream in a sense and so i really kind of saw that that influence play out um in a similar way that i saw in my property class you know yeah well it's silly because i think if you hold other countries to the same standard, which these people do, I mean, you see people like critique, like the police in like certain areas of the Middle East or like China or something where, I mean, the facts are like the Hong Kong police in China are like way better at like not killing masses of people than like the U.S. Like, <laughs> um, or like you wouldn't tell Syria like to get rid of their police and like military when they're being attacked by like, Islamist and like reactionaries like I think there's a big difference between like a police and military that works for working people and like the bourgeois mm -hmm. um police which anarchists don't make the differentiation but it's like yeah there is a difference one's protecting the interest of one class and one's the other um yeah and I think we also see the same thing uh not just with policing, but with states in general. Like you mm -hmm. said, you see the sort of blanket, uh, all states are bad. Um, when it's like, not all states actually operate in the same way. Yeah. Um, but I think, you know, when I was a libertarian, I was really attracted to that sort of neat framework because it's just kind of saying, well, if it's a state, it's bad. If it's border, yeah. it's bad, <laughs> you know? It's right. Bad. Um, when it's like, it, it's definitely more uh, complicated than that. And I think, yeah, especially when terrorism is involved, um, which I mean, bless our souls, we don't have to deal with that as much over here. Um, but when terrorism is involved in other places, like people do uh, end up having a higher opinion of police or military. Mm -hmm. um, and I think, yeah, you kind of have to rather than necessarily just be like no police ever you have to change the structural incentives that police have right right uh, which i mean some libertarians i know also agree with that so I yeah think exactly the more uh <laughs> the more uh like ultra anarchist chaz people yeah uh, which you know might be a fringe but i think there's definitely a a, a tendency on on in, in the broad left-wing tent to be like anarchists and libertarian by extension. Right. There's also like the issue of, like you mentioned the state, like I think idealism plays too much of a role in mm -hmm. certain parts of the libertarian or anarchist sphere where like every state is bad. So you can't actually like recognize differences in like the material reality for working people and like who holds power and who doesn't because even like the working class holding power over other people is considered authoritarian like that's like a hierarchy which is right anti like libertarian anti-anarchist not so much anti-libertarian libertarians love hierarchy like <laughs> um but i also think a thing that pushed me away from anarchism and libertarianism was realizing the narrative around a lot of these countries like Syria or Venezuela um, or like even like Bolivia and stuff 
are basically perfectly in line with the imperialist narrative. Like mm-hmm. they they don't they're like, oh, they still believe Idlib is some like city of like revolutionaries fighting the Syrian state for anarchist freedom, which I've read in like anarchist publications. And it's like, what are you talking about? Like these are like people connected to like Islamist groups or right. yeah. Um, <laughs> or like the Han concepts, like they're holding like Trump save us signs. Like this isn't this no, this is there's something else going on. And I think we've seen what can happen when libertarians are successful. You get things like the Brazilian coup of like Dilma right. Rousseff, because the libertarian Brazilian chapter, um, or Brazilian libertarians were really big in building a movement to get her ousted and like try and privatize the oil industry, which is like also getting money from the Cokes. Like, of course they are. Um, and I guess I saw more of this and I had my coming out as like a Marxist during the whole Juan Guaido Venezuela thing. I was like, oh, okay, I'll post like, oh, I'm no longer a libertarian. Like I can't support this stuff. And they're like, wait, you're a socialist because you support the Venezuela thing like Venezuela like and I'm like because it's all lies like um I literally spent one time trying to prove to like people at like four in the morning in an airport that the elections were fair by like going through all the reports at like two in the morning or whatever and reading them like here you go like these are the reports they said it was fair like not a sane person thing to do but I was like what else am I doing like (laughs) (laughs) no I think definitely um for me my ideological shift was also from idealism to materialism um, in the sense that, you know, I've been anti-war since I was 10. Like that's been mm-hmm. the, the, the basis of my political uh, being. Like that's what got me into politics. And I think still like my primary motive is like ending these wars. But um, I think that I shifted from idealism to materialism uh, in the sense that I think there's a huge misconception that, uh, you know, we go to war because like we're racist against this country or um, like the, we have these ideational conflicts, you know, or we, we uh, the colonization of, of Canada and the US and the, the Americas was from uh, wanting to spread Catholicism. Um, and rather than looking at the material interest at stake. And I think, you know, Venezuela was a big wake up call for me as well because of seeing, you know, large corporations like Chevron be really pushing um, for this coup uh, and seeing that, okay, yeah, like this is not an ideational thing. Like this isn't even about um, anti-communism or like making the people more free. It's about how can we control the resources? Uh, it, it is an extremely material issue. And so, you know, I think it's our job when we're uh, fighting against these wars to look at the material interests at stake and say, okay, I can't convince you that war is unethical. Like I can't convince Chevron that war is immoral. Mm-hmm. Um, but what we can do is take away their material incentives. And right. so that's kind of what made me more critical of say like free market capitalism is, you know, this is giving people incentive to start war. It's not, uh, it's not just about, you know, oh, I, I hate communism and I want to go like wreck Venezuela. I mean, that's probably <laughs> too. Um, but it's like, I have a material interest at stake and I want to protect it. Yeah. And there's also this attack of like true anti-imperialist. Cause I think there's a differentiation between anti-war and anti-imperialism mm-hmm. because like, like Lenin says, it's the highest stage of capitalism. Like yeah. it's not just like wars, it's the entire entity of like economic, like attacks on these countries like it's like control they want the control of the entire world economy so you have Mm -hmm. like the imf and world bank and all these things which i think a lot of anarchists and stuff kind of don't take seriously enough like the ned funding of groups like you're supposed to be anti-state but you're supporting groups that are being funded by the state department like what is going on there and like dsa does this too like jackman Mm -hmm. has been connected to these groups it's like what about this as socialist like yeah it's not (laughs) i think also like this kind of comes from um american exceptionalism as well like if Mm -hmm. something's funded by 
uh, the Russian state or the Chinese state, then it's like the end of the world. But if it's funded by Voices of America or NED, it's totally organic. We're fighting for freedom. Um, it's not like that, you know, we got to fight for everybody's liberty. Um, and I mean, I think you guys were talking about this on your, on your podcast with Lee as well. It's like, we don't say, uh, we don't have a, a banner under MSNBC saying who owns MSNBC, but we have that for like Telesaur. Um, yeah. I, I think it's very exceptionalist. And I think unfortunately uh, as well, a lot of the left, even though they do this performative anti-American stuff, you know, mm -hmm. they're still very American. America KKK. <laughs> yeah, like they'll do stuff like that. But then when you kind of look at the analysis, they can still kind of side with the U.S. State Department on issues of war and imperialism. And that's why I joke that Jacobin is an op. Um, yeah. <laughs> well, you've heard of like conspiracy of like, because there was a year he was just sick, like, like Bashkar, um, and like, they're like, oh, he was just sick but no one knows why he was sick or anything like that and it's like oh, and he no. started jacobin and that's when he became like a marxist like that's when he became like yeah just not, not to be like woo woo but like just like <laughs> just a very it's a, it's a weird thing like <laughs> yeah and it's not that weird when you like look into the history of like the reality of like the yeah. new left and stuff like that so like I could buy it but like I don't know for sure like <laughs> <laughs> well, that's what I was thinking as well as I think the the role of the new left has really um also had something to do with American exceptionalism on the left and also like the sort of predominant anarchist slash libertarian strain on the left mm -hmm. uh that we see over here as well not like the not that like the CIA literally manufactured the new left but I think there were definitely in incentive structures Right. Uh, at play and uh you know it's sad because i it's fun i read marcuse this summer and i loved it i was like this is so good <laughs> and i posted about it on twitter and i think like ben uh ben norton replied to me being like you know he, he was off. <laughs> <laughs> oh no yeah um <laughs> i literally had like a like mental breakdown when i like realized this was real like the like congress for cultural freedom because like Caleb Malpin talks about it a lot. And I was mm -hmm. like, this sounds like insane. Like, which yeah, it it's going to sound insane. Because like, we know about MK Ultra and all these like other crazy ass things. But I like started watching videos at like three in the morning and like explaining like all these things being fun. And I'm like, holy fuck. Like everything you did in school was just like fun. Like all the Orwell books and the films and art and like all this shit. And I'm like, holy crap. Like. Gloria Steinem, like I had no idea, was yeah. like openly like the CIA is actually a good agent. It's like, why is she considered a left wing like figure? Like, <laughs> yeah, I know. I I genuinely think like a lot of leftist politics have been not like fully manufactured, but partly manufactured in the context of U.S. exceptionalism and. Uh, in the context of the Cold War, especially. Mm -hmm. And I think it's a shame um, because I don't know, I find that it's very hard to find a political home if you live in Canada or the US and uh, you know you, you're, you wanna end these wars, um, but you can't really organize with a lot of people because mm -hmm. a lot of people don't really uh, have the same sort of outlook as you do. Right. Um, and so I've kind of personally just been like, okay, honestly, we got to take it day by day. <laughs> um, and I will organize with like libertarians. I will organize with paleo conservatives mm -hmm. uh, to stop these wars because that's the most urgent thing. Mm -hmm. um, but at the same time, it's kind of sad because there's not really an, a well-organized um, sort of left. In, yeah in canada and the u.s and if you see like the movements like the iraq protests which were like in the millions like it didn't mm -hmm. do anything because they didn't have any political economic leverage like cool you're protesting in the street with your street permits in like san francisco which happens like every four days <laughs> but like you need to shut stuff down like the only thing i need to actually 
was like a good sign of at least in the U.S. I know of is um in Oakland the really radical DAC union like shut down the porch, which like that's a lot of political leverage, mm-hmm. and people I think didn't have the the, the the mindset to think of like oh are we actually making change or are we just doing things to feel like we're doing something? Um, yeah, which is I a think- lot of the left. Yeah. Yeah, well, that's, that's definitely the, in Canada. We had protests, and they were actually successful. Like they made it so that we did not get involved in the Iraq War, mm-hmm. um, and I am just like really hyped about that 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 protest actually worked. But I think it was a, a exception to the rule uh, in a lot of cases, and I think also that Canada had less of an incentive to get involved than the U.S. did. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I I mean, like we kind of just follow the leader when it comes to these sorts of, of things, right? So I think it's a lot harder to get the U.S. to not go to war. Also, because a lot of the major weapons manufacturing companies are in the U.S. as well, right? And so like they're gonna lobby pretty hard. Um, I mean, especially with Iraq, you have people like Cheney who were quite incentivized materially. <laughs> uh to go to war as well yeah so i think you know in canada maybe we didn't have that same thing Mm -hmm. um but i'm happy that like the protests were at least somewhat effective um that's one less terrible thing my taxes (laughs) (laughs) yeah it seems like things are changing though i think as we leave a unipolar like system where it's U.S. domination because like you mm-hmm. see a rising Russia again, a rising China again, and like Iran and Venezuela to a certain point, a certain point, um, gaining power. Countries that have more leverage to choose the better option. I mean, I saw like New Zealand who hates China, but like removed their troops from Afghanistan which is like, why was New Zealand in Afghanistan? Yeah. That makes no sense. Makes zero sense. Um, yeah, I think, you know, I I also took a bunch of IR back in the day, which I didn't care for that much. But uh, <laughs> one of the things that um, I took out of it was that like unipolarity is bad. It's not good for the mm-hmm. world. And so like the one hope is that we have um, bipolarity, uh in the ir sense not in the mental health sense but if you're uh by winning then you do you as well um (laughs) but um anyway i i I, that's something that you know it's kind of unfortunate because if you say that now you're just like labeled like oh you think china can do nothing wrong like you're you love the dictators and it's just kind of like well no i i i think that it's more complicated i i just find that like doing basic ir analysis now is seen as like tankyism um yeah when like Um, i i used like ir used to be so like neo-lib in a sense um but you know, if you apply any mm-hmm. realist IR analysis, then you're seen as like awful. Like if I say the US is a global hegemon, and so like that's why I write about it when I write about war, then people will say, Oh, like why are you so focused on the US all the time? And it's kind of <laughs> like this is this is like this is the basics. It's not uh it's not out of some like right. whatever tanky animus. And similarly, if you say, you know it could be beneficial to enter, you know, bipolarity or multipolarity. Like this is uh, so many theorists who are, you know, just standard run of the mill academic libs have said the same thing. It's not, uh, it's not being like, yes, like none of these countries can do no wrong. It's just being like, you know, Mm -hmm. this might be better because it, again, it changes the global incentive structure uh you can't like the 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 less free reign you have of one global hegemon the better it's even worse when you're like i think a woman or like gay or like something like that doing anti-imperialism like discussions because like i'm like oh i support like iran or syria fighting or like russia fighting against like imperialist action because like obviously that's the biggest contradiction right now for a lot of these countries is like maintaining sovereignty People mm-hmm. like, well, they're bad to the gays. Why would you support this? Um, they're fascist Nazis. I'm like, no, like, <laughs> um, like many in many ways, the wars made gay life 
way worse in these regions. Like, yeah, people don't understand that. Yeah, Same like with women. Right. Like there's, I had a person in SF because like SF's like neoliberal capital of like America or the world maybe. Um, and I was like, so Russia came up and they were like, oh, if you go to Russia, you'll be killed. And I'm like, I follow like super gay, like Russian Instagrammers. Like, I think it's fine. Like there's a giant gay scene in Moscow and stuff, but that's not put into conversation. Like this isn't, there's not a <laughs> ban on being gay. Yeah, well, I think also my point is like, look, I can't influence the internal policies of these countries. Like, that's not for me to do. Um, And at the end of the day, politics is not about uh, choosing, you know, the best person because that's not going to happen. Like, we can strive for a better world, but Mm -hmm. we also need to deal. And maybe this is like my my inner Augustine uh, coming out, but I think, you know, the best that we can strive for uh, is peace in a sense. And and so, uh, like, people want to live with stability. They want things to be certain. Uh, They want peace. And so sometimes you're going to have to choose between two bad people. Uh, in the case of Syria, I've maintained, I've discussed this many times, like, and everyone yells at me, but, um, (laughs) like for a lot of people, especially for Christians, it is better to have a secular authoritarian than an Islamist authoritarian or a terrorist group, especially a nihilistic terrorist group, like, uh, ISIS or like the Al Qaeda offshoots. Mm-hmm. Uh, and you know, say like sometimes you're just gonna have to bite the bullet and be like, yeah, like this is um, preferable, and we have no business going in there and trying to sh- change around their internal politics. Somehow online that gets interpreted as like you hate human rights, you want <laughs> all the dictators to win, uh, and so forth. And yeah. I just think it's it's really disturbing that that's where the discourse is at, and just shows how like tilted in favor of like idealism and and Mm -hmm. war at the same time kind of gets us like I think we think that war is going to produce uh justice when it's like it's not right um and so it it leaves out all the people who actually are impacted by the result like Mm -hmm. you never actually hear from like the Russian gays or like women in like Afghanistan or stuff because in most cases they tend to they don't want this like invasion like there was like feminist groups in Afghanistan like please do not invade us like do not yeah. come here when, like you're made to make things worse and like look what happened <laughs> mm-hmm. um, Afghanistan is one of the most tragic instances of right that. yeah and I mean I think you know it's it's a shame that this is where like discourse goes again because it's like you know you're just gonna it's a way of dismissing people as well to just say okay well if you believe this then you love this this person or you agree with like all these things that I'm just going to ascribe to you right now Mm -hmm. um I think it's like definitely something that needs to change I don't know like I'm being too hopeful that that will change but (laughs) uh i mean i don't know there's been people have been talking about how annoying that this whole cancel culture stuff is yeah i mean we changed like i think that shows hope like Mm -hmm. any people think the right um is not worth your time to Mm -hmm. bring over to like socialism or marxism when i think in many ways they might be more likely because a lot of them tend to be in the poor communities because they don't like the free trade deals and mm-hmm. like they don't like most people don't want the wars and most people want healthcare and stuff regardless of political affiliation mm-hmm. um and it's like why are you gonna just, just exclude them like you don't make anyone better like I had a ton of awful views like <laughs> throughout my life like I had a Milo phase kind of before I went like oh anarchist <laughs> it's like he was like funny for a bit and then it became yeah. bad and then I was like oh fuck like well I'm not going to go that way. But I saw a lot of people I knew go that way. And it's like, well, if we could have saved them, like I wouldn't be a libertarian if there was an effective left-wing group on campus. Mm-hmm. I honestly think that like I already, I, my first paper in college was why we should have universal health care. Yeah. And I became a libertarian. I'm like, still shocked that you guys don't have that in the U.S. I'm 
Just yeah. Very sorry, but yeah. Did you see the recent stimulus deal and all the crazy shit in there? Yes, that is absolutely. <laughs> I, I mean, yeah. Here yeah. with it's, it's you know it's not perfect, but <laughs> we were getting two thousand a month for a bit, which is oh my bad. gosh. Yeah. Um, you know, so, <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. I think you know that's something. Um, but uh, like the idea of changing your mind and stuff, I, I really value talking to other people who have like been through ideological journeys because I think right now, like there's a sort of expectation that everybody comes out of the womb with like perfect political opinions, which mm -hmm. is just very silly. And I mean, I, I've looked at articles that I've written six months ago that I don't agree with now. And like, I think, you know, it's fine to change your mind and uh i i don't know i just kind of want to normalize that you know and i think right. if we because i think you know a lot of people might want to change their views or like learn about new things but they're scared because mm -hmm. like they don't admitting that you're wrong makes like hurts your pride and then there's also the element of like uh being wrong is so, seen as something so terrible right. um when we can just say, you know, it's fine to be wrong. We're all still thinking. <laughs> We're all on our intellectual journeys. I'm, I'm, like, wrong all the time. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Did you, when you when you changed over from like like the right, like libertarian kind of world to the left? Did you? For me, like, I had like a great like. I was very distraught. So I was like, my whole self was very interlocked into, like, this world. Like, my job was it. My ideology. Like, I spent all this time doing it. And I'm like. Oh, I wasted all this time and I'm wrong. Like, what do I do now? Like, <laughs> um, yeah, which I, which I think people misunderstand, like how important a lot of this can be to people. And like, it's not just going to happen in one conversation. Like no one becomes a Marxist in one conversation. It takes a long time. It took me like a year to get to that point, if not more, like, yeah, I think definitely. And I mean, for me, it seemed like a smooth transition, but I was definitely embarrassed, like about some of the things I'd said before. And I've just been like, oh, Mila, how could you think that? Um, and uh, I remember because um, I, I have a brother two years younger than me and I, I went to his graduation. We went to the same high school. Uh, and so this was two years after I had graduated and I was just starting to like enter a little baby leftist sort of phase and I said I went I saw my old econ teacher from high school there and I was just like dude I just want to say I am so sorry for like <laughs> <laughs> I was like I honestly I was wrong about everything uh you were right uh about like most things he was just like a, a social democrat kind of like standard okay. uh bc ndp kind of guy uh, but you know, like I was like, yeah, you were right about minimum wage, how like right control healthcare, um, and you know, yeah. I mean, at the time, it was kind of like, okay, it was kind of embarrassing. But I think you know, it's nice. I think people, I I don't know. I think it's fine to normalize that. Um, I think it should be encouraged. Yeah, so. I think there's a lot more of us as well that just like just became quiet after they changed because mm -hmm. um, I've talked to lots of people who like were in the movement and like have changed rapidly on these views mm -hmm. um, maybe not Marx but like at least like more like maybe the state should do some things for like working people and it's like oh yeah. if there's a lot more and it definitely shows like people recognize there's issues and I think the libertarian movement's kind of dying like because like it's like no longer like libertarianism it's like a kind of like right populism is what's really popular on the yeah. right right now i think it's been going like it, it's it's flowed into different like cups like there's like the the conservatarian whatever or right uh like right wing sort of stuff these yeah talking about. but then there's also the libertarians that flowed to like anarchists and to the left as well right um and so yeah it's just like they're just they're not a singular block anymore i think is is what it is um but it's kind of funny to see like 
the Libertarian Party will tweet something and then like there's other people being like, how dare you? I'm no longer a member of the party. <laughs> it happens so much because like there's just such a cultural split, I think. So mm-hmm. people who are like culturally left just went to the left and people who are culturally right went to the right. Yeah, like so many people voted for like, openly for Biden. I'm like, like how can you be like in the libertarian movement and support like the man who like bombed Yugoslavia and like Libya and Iraq and stuff? Like, yeah. how does that make sense to anyone? <laughs> yeah, it's very strange. I don't know. I yeah. It's funny in Canada because like there's it's libertarianism's not as big here. And mm-hmm. uh so most libertarians like really follow US stuff more like and uh there was um one time some guy gave a talk at, at my university and someone put their hand up and they were like uh, oh excuse me sir I'm a member of the uh the Canadian Libertarian Party and uh we have a question and then he said uh, the guy said oh all three of you are here and uh, <laughs> Uh, it's just not big you know like there's like a attempted like populist right party that tried to kind of do its thing but i don't think it got one seat in the election it's just not it's not as big here i don't think i think it's less of a sell in a lot of places because you already have like a certain like safety net of like healthcare and stuff and people mm-hmm. just can't touch them like, they can like tinker with it a little bit like yeah. in new zealand and stuff like like all these places do it but they won't, no one's actually seriously like, let's get rid of it because no one wants yeah. that. And here yeah. we don't have it. So like they just can fight and say, we don't want it. And it doesn't get passed ever because both Dems and Republicans also don't want universal health care. Yeah, that's crazy to me. Like even the conservatives here are like not touching it. But I think it's also just, yeah, people are used to it now. So it's like political suicide to to not be. Um right. <laughs> uh, I, I wonder if like I mean ho- I'm hoping for you guys that you get healthcare at some point but uh, <laughs> I, I, I wonder like the, how it's gonna happen like I know in Canada there were people from three different parties that made it happen like it was a, a truly it was a tripartisan effort um, whereas like you know maybe that could happen in, in the US if the Republican Party becomes more populist Mm-hmm. Um, but then you also got like the Pelosiites that might yeah. stand in the way. So I feel like if we're gonna see it, it's gonna be on a state level because I've seen places like California has tried to do it before. If like the nurses union have pushed single payer health care in the state, mm-hmm. yeah. I mean, a lot of like states, even like the more conservative ones, tend to be better. The only like there's Nebraska has a completely publicly owned energy sector, like it's all publicly owned. Um, wow. um, but it's a right wing state. Like a lot of like right wing like cities or like c- cities in right wing states have like free or like low cost public transport and stuff. And it's like oh, maybe like you just got to do it on a local level. And once enough states do it, then it'll be federal because like our system sucks and it's a federal system. So yeah yeah that's another like us is more i mean we do healthcare by the provinces too but it's like guaranteed throughout the country mm-hmm. but it's just the provinces like administer it here um but yeah i think i did learn that like the us is more like uh fragmented on the laws like in terms of the states like the criminal law is not federal or something yeah there's federal law and there's criminal law so like it just yeah, it doesn't make any sense. Like in one state you can be a criminal and the next one you're like, oh, well now I'm no longer. I know a that's criminal. so weird. Like here it's everywhere. <laughs> um but yeah, I guess it's just there's more stronger like states' rights, but yeah. Another libertarian uh <laughs> libertarian pet issue. Well, we're coming up on time. Um what would you like to promo? Um, well, if you want to read anything at TwinkRev, um, go to TwinkRev.com and then you can go listen to the podcast and all places where good podcasts are published. It's Twink Revolution. Um, I also produce Gaylog Archipelago, which is, um, a gay history of like socialist dates and kind of how those interlock with each other. Um, and then 
if you want to follow me on Twitter, because I'm new, it's <laughs> twink, but there's no I in it for Christ 69. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. love it. Thanks for coming on, Sam. And, thanks for uh, having me. <laughs> thanks for listening, everyone. We'll see you next Thanks, us.